0: hey y'all thank you so much for tuning into this message we hope that it speaks to your life and if you have questions please contact us you can contact us on the website at thousandhillsranchchurch.com or thousandhillsranchchurch at yahoo.com and then you can also call us at 580-216-6427 and may god use this message to change your life don't call him a cowboy don't call him a cowboy. Some of you guys haven't been here, and I always like to kind of recap a few things uh, on why we are talking about don't call him a cowboy. Um, in, in, in the cowboy world, it's important that, uh, that if you're going to be a true cowboy, and again, you don't have to be. I mean, it's no big deal if you're not, but if you're going to be a true cowboy, you're a true cowboy day in and day out, right? You wear your cowboy hat wherever you go. You wear your jeans to the pool, right? <laughs> At least that's what I did on, uh, was it Friday. Or your boots, or you wear shorts and your boots, right? I mean, that even looks really better. I mean, that looks really good. Um, But a cowboy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're just a cowboy. I mean, that's who they are. And again, you may like our church. You may come to our church because you like it's laid back. I mean, you can wear shorts and all that. Praise the Lord. We want you here. Amen? Amen? And so it really doesn't matter what you wear to church, but here's the thing. If you're going to be a cowboy, you ought to wear what, you know, cowboys wear. And, and again, if you want to wear it on Sundays and never wear it on, you know, during the week, great, go for it. If you're just a hobby cowboy, I mean, that's fine. Love it. I love it. Live it. You know, do whatever you need to do. That's fine. Um, but here's the thing. When it comes to the church and it comes to Christianity, we ought to be the same day in and day out, Right? Instead of just walking or talking the talk, I mean, we ought to walk the, the walk and walk the talk, right? I mean, it should look the same. I and mean, we shouldn't just look one way at church and then walk out of here and look another way. We shouldn't just talk one way at church and then walk out of here and, and talk another way when we leave this place, right? It should be the same every day. And, and a lot of you guys are thinking, well, why do we, why do we have this? Well, here's the thing. We are, we are wanting to go from being religious to having a a relationship, right? And you say, well, by, Bo, why, do you, why are you preaching this sermon? I mean, what's the big deal about it? Well, here's the thing that I, I want to do, and this is my purpose for preaching this sermon. A lot of us have grown up in church. Many of you maybe, I mean, obviously we're in Oklahoma, you know, the Bible Belt, so to speak. I don't know if it's that way anymore. But the Bible Belt, where people are kind of exposed to church throughout their life, they may, go, they may go to like vacation Bible school, they may go to camp, they may go to a revival growing up. I mean, if you, you were in church, I mean, you probably went to all of those things. Now, here's the thing. I, I understand all that, but here's the thing. A lot of people have just heard the surface of Christianity. They, they've gone to, again, a camp. They maybe even said a prayer at camp filled out a card, maybe walked an aisle, but here's the truth, they really don't know the true Savior. I don't know if that's true or not in your life, but I know it's true in a lot of people's lives. They've gone through the motions, they've been religious, they went to church because their parents made them, and they just caught that religious bug rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. Here's my desire. I want to see religious people find a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want them to go from living by a set of rules to knowing the ruler of the world. Right? That's the purpose. And you say, well, Bo, you pick on religious people a lot. I mean, what's the deal? I mean, you kind of pick on them. You kind of point out all the things that's wrong with religious people. You're not afraid to pick on them and say what's wrong. You kind of point out things that maybe could offend them. Here's my my goal. My goal isn't to offend any religious person. My goal is to bring a religious person out of their religious put-on fakeness to a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, can, yeah. <clears throat> and so you may be thinking, well, why? why? Why do you teach on this? Why are you preaching on this? Again, I want our church to be filled with people that need to hear the gospel, that need to go from one part of their lives to another part of their lives. And I want to see that happen. And, and here's the thing. Why do I pick on them? Why do I do it? Because that's what Jesus did. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. And I'm supposed to preach like Jesus. Jesus protected the purity of the church. He pointed out false teaching. He exposed self-righteous leaders and those who were misled by their pride. And that's what he's called me to do. And so here's the thing. My role as a pastor is not to blow smoke up your skirt and to preach warm, fuzzy messages that only Christians can understand. I'm here to preach messages that everybody can understand so that you can have a choice from going to being religious to having a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why I'm doing it. Um, And that's why we're going to continue to do it. So the the question that we've been answering is, how can we go from being religious to having a personal, real, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ? We've been uh, in this series for the last six weeks. If you've missed these uh, last six weeks, I challenge you to go and listen to them online. I mean, again, it's not about me. It's about the Lord speaking to you because he speaks to me when I prepare these messages. And so I encourage you, again, I'll roll through these real quick. Number one was uh, if you're going to go from being religious to having a relationship, it starts on the inside, right? Can't clean yourself up. Starts on the inside. Number two, if you have a personal relationship on the inside, then it can be seen on the outside, Number three, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, it makes you new. The old is gone and the new has come. Number four, it changes our habits. Your habits ought to change. Number five, it is to be enjoyed. It ought to be enjoyed. Some of you guys missed that because you're religious. Number six, it should motivate you to serve it should motivate you to serve. Well, today we're going to look at number seven. Are you ready? Everybody awake today? Yeah. Excited today? Yeah. Elaine, you ready? I could point out her. She's, she's nice. <laughs> she's nice. She won't beat me up for pointing her out. Um, so here's the deal. Today, number seven, number seven. If we're going to have a personal relationship with Jesus, if we do have a personal relationship with Jesus, it should lead us to pray. It should lead us to pray. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Look at it. It'll be on the screen. It says this. It says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Here's what I want you to do. Nobody's, nobody's looking around. I want you to pray a little prayer right now. I want you to just say, okay, Lord, speak to me today. Show me something that I need to be shown. Change my prayer life. Lord, I pray that. I pray that for myself and I pray it for everybody in this room. That you would give us something new today that we can learn about the power of prayer. Give us something new today that maybe uh, the religious person is sitting in here going, great, not another sermon about prayer. Give that person a new shot in the butt and help them to realize that prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. And we can't study it enough. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to all of our hearts. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. If we are going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it should lead us to pray. Now, again, I want to look at these verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Here's what it says. I love these verses because they're short and they're powerful. How many of you guys like short and powerful messages? How many of you guys like short and powerful sermons? Yes. We're going to get a a long and powerful sermon today. Amen. Amen. I'll say an amen to that. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 16, look at it with me. It says, rejoice always. You say, well, what's that mean? It means that you ought to live in joy that only that Jesus can provide, right? And it's not happiness because, again, happiness is a lie that a lot of us think, oh, I ought to be happy if I know Jesus. No, it's not about being happy all your life. You're going to have struggles and trials, but you can have joy in the midst of your pain. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, That's true. So rejoice always. And then now skip to verse 18. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. And you say, well, I, I, how do I do that? I mean, I can't give thanks when I've lost my loved one. I can't give thanks when my, my, my right arm got pulled off. I mean, I can't, how do I give thanks in those situations? Again, only through Jesus can you do that. I've seen some people that have gone through horrific loss, and they're still giving thanks. You say it, it can't happen. Yeah, it can. It happens. No, verse 17, the one we want to focus on today, pray continually, pray continually. You know what that's saying? It's saying pray without ceasing, pray constantly. That means throughout your day, you pray constantly. Well, here's what Jesus is saying. If you know me personally, you have the power to find joy in everything, to give thanks in everything, and to pray in everything. That's what he's saying. And you say, well, why do we do all those things? In verse 17, the second part of it says, it says, for this is the will or God's will for you that are in Christ Jesus. You say, well, what's the will of God? Give give thanks, be joyful, and pray continually. (laughs) I mean, some of you guys are searching for God's will. That's his will. He said it right there. That is God's will for those that are in Christ Jesus. And again, some of you guys are going, oh great, not another sermon about prayer. I mean, everybody knows about prayer, right? I mean, everybody's been taught by their parents how to pray. No. Um, Here's the thing. Here's what I've learned. You know, some of these people that that think that way, they're living in la-la land. We live in a generation, in a culture that has not been taught how to pray. Um, and and, and the people that want to say don't preach on prayer very much because we've all heard that sermon are the same people that pray every prayer the same way. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a lot of churches and went to a lot of churches, and when the guy gets up to pray for the offering and prays for the food, there's something wrong. Some people are so religious that they pray the same prayer every time. And I'm not, again, picking on them to pick on them. I'm picking on them to say, it needs to change. If you've got a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, you ought to pray more than one prayer. If you've been a Christian for 30 years, it's okay to pray the same prayer at Thanksgiving. Go for it. Everybody loves that. We all want to hear Dad pray that same prayer. But listen, your prayer life ought to be different. That's what it means to go from a religious person to a relationship. And religious people, they don't like it. I'll just pray my same prayer that I pray every time and God will be, God will be happy. Now listen, we ought to move on from that. Even preachers, we get this idea that, that you know nobody needs to hear about prayer. I mean, everybody's been taught that. No, not everybody has been taught that. And so we're going to talk about how we can pray to God within a relationship. Simply this: What is prayer? I I don't know if you've ever asked that. What is it? Here's the here's the here's the definition. It is simply, but yet profoundly, communicating with the God of the universe. It's simply yet profoundly communicating with the God of the universe, and I don't know if you get that, but that is huge. I mean, I don't know if you're looking at a small God, a teeny weeny God, but when we pray, guess who we get to talk to? The God of the universe. The God that gives you the heartbeat in your heart. The God that knows the number of hairs on the top of your head, though they may be few. The God that he knows how many tears have hit your chest. He knows everything. And that's the God that you get to communicate with. And so through prayer, we can praise God. We can ask him for help, forgiveness, and wisdom. And we can ask him to help others. And so here's the goal. How do we go from being a religious person that prays to having a powerful prayer life? How do we do it? Number one is this. We must know who we are praying to. We must know who we're praying to. And some of you guys are like, oh, everybody knows who we're praying to. I mean, God, Jesus, good. All right, we covered that. Move on. No, listen. Religious people want to forget this part. You know why? Because it's too personal. Religious people want to set in a formula. They want to set of rules that they can live by so that they can, I, 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 I did this, I'm a good boy, so I get to go to heaven. No, listen. We have to know the personal savior to be able to pray to the personal savior you have to know him Um, and you say well aren't we supposed to live by a set of rules absolutely we're supposed to live by the word of god but it happens after you've received the grace of god does that make sense and so we ought to know who we are praying to look at ephesians 6 18 it says i pray in the what spirit say it again i pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind uh, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people look at verse 18 the very first part of it i pointed out and we are to pray in the what spirit do you notice that it's capitalized guess what that means that means that we're talking about the holy spirit now here's the key thing If you're going to pray in the Holy Spirit, then you have to possess the Holy Spirit. To possess the Holy Spirit, you have to have given your life to Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit could come in you. And so listen, you say, well, that's that's simple. Yes, it is, but it's profound. If you guys think that I'll just pray and God will hear me no matter what, nope, you got to. Know Jesus personally so that he can answer and give you power in your prayers. A a sermon that I did back in the day, uh, it was a series called That Ain't No Bull. And it's called The Bull Rider's Prayer. And I hope you'll go listen to it. It talks about more about that. Well, the truth is, here's the thing. Only when we become a follower of Jesus do we gain the power of prayer. I want you to hear that. Only when we become a a follower of Jesus do we gain the power of prayer of prayer some of you guys uh you may be thinking well before christ do we does god hear our prayers i i don't know i don't know the answer to that i think that he probably does but here's what i know about god he won't always answer your prayers and you don't possess any power i mean i, I have people come to me and they say well Beau, i pray every night but i pray to a higher power I mean, I I pray to the man upstairs. I pray to the man in the moon. And I just, I I go, okay, let me show you something in Scripture. And then I point him to this verse, John 14, verses 13 and 14. Look at it with me. It says, "And, and, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything, what? In my name, and I will do it. You know what's missing in a lot of people's lives? They don't pray in Jesus' name. I mean, you you say, well, that's no big deal. I mean, you you can pray to God the Father, and you can. But here's the truth. If you miss out on praying in Jesus' name, and and again, I'm not saying you got to pray that every prayer, but that should be our focus. A lot of people, they just pray at night, and they they miss out on the authority that Jesus has because they don't pray in the name of Jesus, right? My daughter, Madeline, is learning this. You know how she's learning this? Because we pray in Jesus' name. When we pray at night together, the other night I prayed with her in her bed, and I said, okay, you pray, and then I'll pray. She's like, Lord, thank you for Daddy, Mommy, you know, Hampton, Hank, Thank you for dying on the cross, and thank you for rising from the dead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. She knows it. And, and here's the thing. I've taught her that it's the, the power that you have in your prayer life is found in Jesus' name. That's where it's found. Um, I was listening, or I was actually on a line the other day, and I was watching an interview with a guy named Phil. Anybody know Phil from Duck Dynasty? Anybody? Anybody watch that? Phil is the father of the Duck Dynasty crew, right? Now, Phil, at the end of every show, what does he do? He prays. Now, I heard this story, and Phil told it. I was watching this online. They did an interview with him, and at the end of a lot of the times when he prayed, the producers would cut out Jesus' name. So Phil brings it up. I don't know if you've seen this interview. It's pretty cool. You need to watch it on YouTube. Phil brings it up, and he says, hey, producers, why do you cut out Jesus' name when, when we have our prayer at the end of the deal? And the producers said, well, we don't, you know, we don't want to offend anybody by praying in Jesus' name. And Phil said, oh, okay. All right, I, I, I get what you're saying. So, they said, so they're coming to a spot where it's time to pray at the end of the prayer, and Phil looks at all the producers and says, you guys ready? All right, recording. And then he goes into his prayer, and this is what he prays. Lord, please be with our family and, and put to death the producers and the cameraman who won't include your name in my prayer. Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. <laughs> the, the, the producers were like, uh, can we record that again? Because that was a little offensive. Listen we got to pray in Jesus' name. Anybody can pray in God's name, but they're praying to the God of the trees. They're praying to the God of Buddha. They're praying to the God of Islam. They can pray to all those gods, but they can only find the power of prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only place that you'll find it. And so listen, if you want to move mountains in your life, And you say, well, I can't literally do that. God can, and he can move mountains in your life. He can make you uh, pregnant. And when you wanted to get pregnant, he can make you happy in your marriage. He can move those mountains. He can take care of your teenagers. He can move those mountains. But you have to pray in Jesus' name. And to pray in his name, guess what? You must know him personally. Bottom line. Number two is this. How do we go from being a religious person that prays To a powerful prayer life, we must live a righteous life. We must live a righteous life. You say, Well, I know Jesus, now I can do whatever I want, I can live how I want, and He'll answer all my prayers. No, not so much. We are to live a righteous life. And you say, Well, Bo, I thought we didn't have to pay back anything, I thought we didn't have to pay back a debt. Listen, You don't have to pay back a debt for salvation, but if you want to have a powerful prayer life, you have to to live a righteous life. It's a prerequisite. I mean, that's what it means. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 16 in the last part of it. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective ineffective. And, and again, people come to me and they say, "Bo, I pray all the time and I don't feel like God even hears my prayers." Here's my question to them. Are you living a righteous life? Are you obeying God's word? Are you living according to what he says you're supposed to live according to? Are you choosing what's right instead of what's wrong? When you're tempted to sin, do you say no to sin through the power of the Holy Spirit? Or do you say yes to sin and then you pray and you think God's going to hear you? Listen, here's the truth. Don't expect to have your prayers answered if you are not living a life that pleases God through your words and your deeds. And you say, Bo, are you saying I got to be perfect? No. But you ought to be striving to please him. Again, people miss this. They go out, they do whatever the heck they want, and then they go, God, please, would you help me with my situation that I'm in? Would you pay my bills? Would you get me out of this jam? Would you bring my wife back because I did that? Would you do this? Would you do that? And they think God's going to answer their prayers, but they're living like the devil. And you say, Bo, can they be forgiven? Absolutely. God hears us say, will you forgive me? And then he answers our prayers according to his will. Right? And so listen to that. Religious people, again, they want to live lives that don't match their mouth. They even pray prayers, good prayers, but they don't live big and live to to glorify God. And so here's the thing. Let me reverse Ephesians 5.16. If we were to reverse it, here's what it would say. The prayer of an unrighteous man is powerless and ineffective. You get it? Number three is this, and I'm done. If you're going to go from being a religious person that prays to having a powerful prayer life, we must pray out of our humility instead of our pride. We must pray out of our humility instead of our pride. Look at Luke 18, 19 through 14, or 9 through 14, and I'll be done. Look at this. Jesus is talking here, and he, he tells this story, and this is what he says. Then Jesus told this story to some who were great, uh, who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Listen to this. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, which is a religious person who thought they knew it all but didn't live by what they said they knew. One was a Pharisee, and the other one was despised. was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. But listen to verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see this? You got the Pharisee stands up. Guess what he does? Hey everybody, listen to my prayer. He prays it loudly, I think. I think he stood up and he prayed it loudly. Lord, he and this is the stuff that he listed. He stands up, he talks loud, and he says, "Lord, guess what? I don't cheat." Lord, guess what? I don't even sin. Lord, guess what? I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not, not like this guy. I do, I do this. I fast twice a week, and I tithe. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think he bowed at the end of his prayer. I'm serious. I, I don't know. I mean, can you, can you see the pride and the self-righteousness in this attitude? And then you look at the tax collector. I mean, a guy that's despised by people because he cheats people and he wants forgiveness. And look at him. He stands at a distance. He doesn't raise his eyes. He keeps his eyes low. He beats his chest and he cries out for mercy and he admits that he's a sinner. In verse 14, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Here's what I want to leave you with. If you know Jesus Christ personally, then prayer ought to be a necessity in your life. It ought to be a necessity. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Maybe you're here today, and again, you know Jesus. You know that he lives inside of you. Here's my question to you. Are you living a life of prayer? Here's the next question. Are you living a powerful life of prayer because you're living a righteous life? Some of you need to get this. Some of you, your, your kids are going down the wrong path and you've been praying for them, but you yourself aren't living the life that God wants you to lead. Some of you guys have been praying that God would get you out of the hole in certain situations, but you're not living a life that honors Him. And listen, God, He doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want Him to answer them. He answered them according to His will. And so maybe you need to, in your prayer life, just admit to God. Say, God, here's, here's, here's what I would like for you to do, but even if you don't, I trust you. Maybe your prayer needs to be like one of the disciples. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, this disciple, the only disciple that's recorded in the Bible, says this. Lord teach us to pray. Maybe you need to, to pray that prayer like him and say, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Maybe you're here today and you're lost. You don't know where to even start. And you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. You're, you're, you may go through some motions you may do certain things, but you don't have that personal relationship with Him. Listen, if you want to have power to overcome the things in your life, you need, you have to possess Jesus in your heart. It's the only way. And so maybe you're here today, and, 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 and you just need to pray that prayer of forgiveness. For the first time, you need to say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner I'm like that tax collector. I know that I've sinned and I need you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Listen, the Lord wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you just prayed that prayer in your heart. Maybe you need to pray that prayer, you know, so that you can come to know him personally. He wants you to have that personal relationship with him. And you may say, well, Bo, I'm not good enough. That's, that's, that, you're right. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. Nobody's good enough. That's why we have to come to him so that he can make us new. And so listen, if you just prayed that prayer in your heart for the first time, we want to know about it. We want to know so that we can celebrate with you, so that we can equip you to live a righteous life, and your prayers can be powerful. And so here's what we ask you to do. Fill out an orange sheet on the guest table, or here's the next thing. If you have a phone and you can text, all we ask you to do is text your name to the number that'll be on the screen as soon as we get through praying. Text your name to the number on the screen and we will contact you and help you grow in your new relationship with Jesus. Please don't miss out on that. You cannot do this alone. You cannot just make a decision and then thrive in your spiritual life because you're doing it alone. Allow allow us to help you. Lord, I come to you and I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you for those that are prayer warriors, Lord. Those that, that pray every day, uh, not, not just for themselves, but they pray for others. Those that, that, that intercede on others' behalf. Those that, that give their, their kids over to you through prayer. That give their jobs over to you through prayer. That give their spouse over, there, over to you through prayer. Lord, I thank you for those that pray for me and pray for my family and pray for this church. And I pray that you would just bless them for their powerful prayer life. Lord, teach us to pray. Show us how to do that so that we can have the power and use it. Lord, we thank you. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being here. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this message, and if you have questions, please contact us. We would love to visit with you. Again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church at yahoo.com, or you can contact us by phone, 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.